The Macabre World Podcast is brought to you by Darker Art Studio, home of real human bone jewelry. Stock and custom pieces are available, so visit us on the web at www.darkerartstudio.com and show them your darker art side. Macabre World, a podcast from Darker Art Studio, where we explore the dark, strange, and unusual from this world and beyond. Hello and welcome to the Macabre World Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Degatti, and welcome to our very first mini-sode. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Well, as most of you know, I've worked in the death industry for decades as a historical preservationist, also as a trustee for a small historic cemetery. And over the years, I've restored gravestones, marked veterans' graves, plumbed plot lines for interments, and I've also been on hand to help conduct funerals. The business of funerals is pretty interesting. I see people at their worst. And unfortunately, that's not always a somber thing. I mean, sometimes it's funny as hell. I don't speak ill of the dead, and I'm certainly not being unsympathetic to families, but at work, I'm the picture of professionalism, because both the deceased and their families deserve the deepest sympathy and the utmost in respect when they're burying their loved ones. With that being said, let me tell you about some of my more interesting observations. Additionally, some of these observations even go back to my childhood. I grew up in an area of Rhode Island that's very heavily settled by the Italian and Portuguese. I should know, I have a set of grandparents from each country that emigrated here. Even in my early years, funerals were a big deal. You dressed up for wakes. Ever see some folks going into a wake these days? Oh my god, it looks like they were raised by wolves. You see skirts so short, the whole world's somebody's gynecologist. So it's just, you know, it was a more formal, more uh, proper thing. So, you know, you dressed for wakes and services, you wore black, and you kept your mouth shut and your ears open, and you took it all in, at least if you were a kid. The adults always seem to talk a lot. So, you know, incidentally, that scene in the movie, uh, Moonstruck, where Cher is shouting in an argument, and she says, oh yeah? Well, I'll go to your funeral in a red dress. That is no idle threat in such an ethnic community. Wearing red at a funeral, that invites gossip about how much of the wearer dislike the deceased. It makes for quite a bit of whispering around the coffee and cookie table. So it stands to reason that funerals are an emotional and and very, very deeply, deeply rooted uh, emotional uh, event, no matter who you are. But when you add that whole old school, old world style to this mix, things get a little interesting. And and mourning, especially in a community full of passionate Mediterraneans like where I'm from, mourning comes in levels. I'm sure some of you are going to be able to relate. The lowest level of full contact mourning is corpse kissing. Now, this is not an act of necrophilia, nor am I suggesting anything of the sort. Get that out of your heads. But corpse touching at wakes is, is very common. It's, you know, a light touch on the hand or as on the brow as you say goodbye. While it's not certainly a mandatory thing, I don't find it very weird. I find it real common. And in fact, I've done it myself on occasion when the deceased is someone I loved very much. I've touched their hand or their head and, as I said, goodbye. And incidentally, it's not nice to corpse touch people you don't really know well. Other mourners know that you're just doing it for a show and that kind of cheapens the gesture. 
So there's a whole sect of old school mourners who are corpse kissers. So when just a touch won't do, they'll actually kiss the deceased. Now, what's mildly amusing about this is that awake, right after they kiss the corpse, then they go through the receiving line, and then they kiss everybody in the family. And if the family is paying attention and caught the corpse kiss first, sometimes the look on their face is pretty priceless. So me, I've been in family receiving lines, and I don't personally cringe if a corpse kisser, kisser kisses me on the... Don't try to say that ten times fast. I don't cringe if a corpse kisser kisses me on the cheek. And, you know, the deceased doesn't have any germs, but my problem is the living do. In fact, before I'm in one of those lines, I'm going to take echinacea, vitamin C, and have a small bottle on hand of uh, hand sanitizer on my person. Because, you know, even way before anybody knew what COVID was, and, and this is always the case, if you shake enough hands and kiss enough cheeks at a funeral, at a wedding, anything, you're going to get some kind of plague. I guarantee it. In fact, at a funeral, the only one who's not going to get sick is the person in the coffin. Guarantee it. So that's the first level, the corpse kissers. Level two, the next level of mourners, are keeners and moaners. The keening and the wailing. Not only are they going to kiss the corpse, because it goes in levels. You have to go through level one to get to level two. So not only do they kiss the corpse, they're going to start wailing loudly. They do it at the kneeler in front of the casket, which incidentally means that they're now holding up the line. Holding up the line is a big deal. Holding up the line's a bad thing. Because if it's a really good wake, you know, where someone was very popular, the line's already really, really long. So instead of moving right along, now you have somebody howling in front of the casket about how she's going to pray for their soul, how she wants to see them in heaven, and a number of other standard issue keens and moans. And that is not to belittle the, the intent of the mourner, but the thing is, is you know, you, you're, you have, this is happening right in front of the high traffic area. So, you know, at that point, it's now a huge clotting monkey wrench in the wake machine until, you know, the mourner's son, nephew, grandson, or other helpful male relative will drag her to a chair. You know, kind of like when James Brown would get the cape at the more dramatic concert moment and gets let off. So after that, usually she's all good and she's just going to kind of stay there until she gets tired or goes home. Now the next level, level three, is the upper echelon. This is the most rare show of mourning, the highest echelon, the casket climber. Typically, this is a graveside practice. This is really, really old school. The homogenization of the Western European culture into the more staid American mourning style has sort of made this less of a common occurrence. Oh, but back in the day, it was spectacular. It involved all of the above, because you can't get to level three without one and two. It involved corpse kissing, then the keening and the wailing. Then, depending on the personal style of the mourner in question, you could see the pulling of the hair, the scoring of the skin, with the nails, you know, raking down the faces, and then the piece de resistance is the dramatic leap and throw of one's body on top of the casket itself. And this, again, this is a graveside thing when, when you're at the cemetery. Actually, you get extra points if the casket's being lowered at the time. And also, an honorable mention for reckless abandon, if there's some kind of large pointy floral spray on top of the box, because that's got to hurt. Imagine landing on one of those evergreen things. So, you know, this, that, that's the highest thing is that they throw themselves onto the casket. You know, grief is 
a very unique and personal thing, despite the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm jesting a little bit, and I've seen an awful lot. There really isn't, even with all of this, there's no right or wrong in how you express it. Culture, religion, age, it all contri uh, contributes to how we mourn our dead. But I will give you a word of caution. Just as death doesn't take a holiday, so as the title says, neither does Murphy's Law. While serving as a pallbearer at a family funeral, my dad, who was in his early 70s at the time, took a rather nasty slip at the edge of the grave while he was, you know, helping to set the casket down on the bier. And he recovered and, and, and all is well. But after the service was over, he said to me, Did you see that, Rocky? I almost fell in. He then adds, you know, at my age, they leave you in there. It's cheaper. So he makes a valid point. My late father was, was quite a character. So... Paul Bearer's trip. It happens. And, you know, if especially if, if the body's not nailed down in there. So if somebody trips, you figure in, in America you have six guys carrying a coffin. Uh, other places in Europe you may see as little as four. And they do something where they have a hand on the shoulder on the guy next to him and, and, and basically they make sort of uh, a squarer, more stable even with four people, a thing. But if, if somebody trips and upsets that balance, what's inside the casket is also going to shift. So, you know, when it shifts too much, you're going to get a fall. I guess we could call them fall bearers at that point. And falls are rare, but the worst one I ever saw. A poor pallbearer guy tripped at the head of the stairs coming out of a church. A big Catholic church. And this church was the Gothic kind of church that had about 50 cement steps from the big double doors all the way down to the, the sidewalk. So he was kind of the lead bottom right guy, if you're looking at the standard American pallbearer grouping. And yeah, he trips at the top of the stairs. What ensued next was uncontrolled mayhem. The trip happens. Then he falls, which is going to shift the weight of the coffin. Which also, since we're at a downward angle on the stairs, is going to shift the weight of the contents of the coffin. And in this case, it contained a, an extremely portly relative. So now the coffin rolls because of that shift. The momentum is taking it. And it's an unbalanced state. And it kind of like rolls over the other five guys. And the coffin goes bump it bump it bump it bump it bump it down the stairs. Several loud thumps. And when it hits the sidewalk, boom. Portillo Octavio flops half out of the coffin. So at that point, I mean, everybody's horrified. And at that point, all the coffin climbers, like, they're going to, on cue, they start keening and wailing. But this is a vital opportunity. They don't have to do this, wait till the cemetery and be graveside. All of a sudden, they break formation, and now they're jumping on the casket as it was all splayed on the sidewalk. And it was all sorted out in the end, and I think only four people went to the hospital. But... It was, it was this crazy scene. So things can go wrong. And sometimes it can be a little amusing. I mean, it's not amusing for the families. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. But I'm telling you as an observer of life. And when you are at a funeral for business reasons, you're going to see a lot. Especially if you go to a lot of them. So in addition to the above tales and advice, let me also offer you the following to enhance your morning experience. A little bit of advice. If you have to carry an umbrella, carry a small umbrella. It's a funeral, not a flight around London. You're not going to be singing silly songs with dirty chimney cleaners. 
do not bring the umbrella you use at the ninth hole because you're going to poke an eye out. It's going to happen. If you're a fashionista, not a good place for heels. Wear flat. In the cemetery, heels sink into the earth. You're going to ruin your nice shoes and you might up to end up taking a graveside fall. Remember what my late father said. If you fall and you're over 65, they leave you in there. In you go. If it's really soggy weather, especially for you fellas, wear an overcoat of some kind. Because if you're in a suit jacket and it's misting or raining out, you're going to get soaked. That wool just sucks up all of that moisture. And those wool sport coats, they don't dry out. So the next person that's going to hug you at the collation is going to get a soggy experience. It's going to smell like old mothballs and whatever drinks got spilled on you when you did the chicken dance at your cousin Joao's wedding eight months ago when you last wore the suit. So hugging you is going to feel like somebody's getting wrapped in a badly stored water-damaged fraternity carpet. So definitely go for the overcoat. And as I said, there's no wrong or right. But out of respect for all concerned, there's a certain decorum and a mandate of dignity to such occasions that really must be upheld, both professional and otherwise. So afterwards, once the family goes home and all the proper precautions are taken to protect the names of the innocent and the guilty as hell... And to not add to anyone's misery, it all becomes kind of anonymous cannon fodder for arty cocktail parties and podcasts when people always look at me and go, really? You work in a cemetery? Does anything unusual ever happen? Well, when they say that, I consider that my cue to take a deep breath and go refresh my drink. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back with a full episode next week. Stay tuned and stay kooky out there, my friends. Thank you for listening to Macabre World. You can find us on the web at www.darkerartstudio.com.